How you doing? You there? Hello? Who's this? Who's this? It's the S-A-M-I-R-Y-E. I here with the most dominant guest in the business of podcasting, Anthony, the Wheel Deal Wheeler. How you doing, Ant? I'm doing good, man. I don't know. That kind of intro makes me feel a little nervous now. I really got to, you know, reach deep into my hot take bag now. I was trying to get subtle, but not after that. Uh, welcome. We got hot cakes and we got hot takes. It's Saturday morning, breakfast with Sammy Rye and Anthony Wheeler. I got intros for days. I see. You're, you're on. We got two cups of coffee today? I had a, I had a large iced coffee and also had a, a diet soda. Oh, man. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't have oh, any man. food. You should have did the trifecta and got yourself a nice little energy drink. You know what? I just I'm I'm moving furniture and packing. So like this there's one in my house somewhere. I just didn't get to it. But now that you mention it, that's that's for after the podcast. To get back in the mm-hmm. packing mode. You have one in emergency break breaking uh, glass in case of emergency stored away. Well, yeah. I, I order them by the case from Amazon and then I put like four or five in the fridge and I even hide them in there sometimes in case someone else wants to steal one. <laughs> and the one I'm waiting on and like behind the milk on the bottom shelf when everyone's too lazy to bend their knees to look. Then I'll go down there, and that's where the backup monster's at. Yo, man, my knees been killing me lately. So if they're not willing to bend their knees at the house, I understand why. Because I'm trying to figure out. You know what'd be dope? They should make a small fridge that you could slide under your bed, and then you could put monsters in it. That's what Monster Energy Drink should do. They have a monster under your bed. You see, see, I just did right there. Oh, I see what you did there. That's what we do. Art and business. I got ideas for days. They just need to call me, man. There you go. So before we go on to too much of a tangent, this week is a special episode to the movie Top Gun. Now, I saw it about a week ago. You seen it last night. I I don't know what your reaction is yet. So that's going to be kind of cool. I want to break it into two parts, right? The first part of it, we're going to talk about the movie itself as a movie. We'll do like a little break for the commercial. And then the second part of it, you know what? Maybe we won't even do a break for the commercial. But the second part, I want to focus on the business side of it. Um, maybe like the, the the subtle meanings, the more meta stuff that you know, you know, just going out to the audience, the outside the film. You see what I'm saying? Maybe we'll mix it up. I don't know. Maybe we'll see I like that. I like that format. Those are two things I really wanted to touch on because I thought it was a good movie, but I also thought it made a case for the movie business. It made a case for you know, do we need movies? Do we need people like Tom Cruise, actors? You know, I felt like it was some, something else going on there. Maybe I, maybe I got that, maybe you didn't. So let's, let's start off with your reaction. What was your reaction to the film? I haven't heard it yet. What do you think? So I'd never seen the first Top Gun. Um, okay. And when I tell people that, they assume that, like, I've seen it, but I don't remember it. Because it seemed like one of those things that everyone's seen, like Forrest Gump. Yeah. Or one of those other, like, 90s movies that, or 80s movies that everyone know about. Yeah. But... I have never seen a second of Top Gun, the original. I feel okay. like I got a good idea of what it's about. It's not <laughs> that I was opposed to seeing it. It's just for whatever reason, I just never, like, I just never saw it. I don't know. Like, it just never came across. Like, I never seen it on TV. I never had the urge to kind of watch it. And I've seen tons and tons of Tom Cruise movies. I love his movies. You know, I don't have anything against it. But for whatever reason, I never saw it. So yeah. I was kind of hesitant to watch Top Gun Maverick when it first came out. Because I didn't know, like, yeah, it's a sequel, but I didn't know how much of the first one I needed to see. But I kept seeing online how, like, it was, uh, the reviews were really good. Like, all positive reviews. I, I don't think I've seen one negative review for it. And me, naturally, I'm always kind of hesitant to, like, take the bait. I'm like, ah, people are just, you know, kind of hyping things up. 
excuse me. So I was kind of like leery of it. That movie is fucking amazing. Like oh, the movie was fucking amazing. Like okay, okay, the movie was fucking amazing. This is going to be a great podcast. Yeah, man, because I I did see the first one. I was younger. I, I my mom liked Tom Cruise. We watched a lot of the films. Um, and you know, as I was younger, favorite film in the whole world? Not not necessarily. But like when I was a kid, I just kind of watched a bunch of things. Um, I did like the movie. Um, but I was never like a kid really into jets per se. Or like I know some kids wanted to like fly jets when they were kids, or they wanted to be in like the navy, or like um, you know, they they'd be an astronaut. I, I wasn't. I don't. I didn't think I had any of those things. But I did like Tom Cruise. I did like Top Gun when I was a kid. However, I did think the new movie, you didn't have to see the first one to enjoy it. Is that, that, is that Did you feel like you're missing anything? Not at all. I feel like they explain it in ways that you don't have to go back and watch it. Like, you always go back and watch it if you want to. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, I thought the new one was such a good new movie. I thought it wasn't trying to, like, sometimes, like, the, the, a movie will come out and it feels like it needs to capture the style and do what was already done. I feel like they came out and they said, no, we'll just make a new movie. And obviously, there's similarities. There's Jets. They threw a few songs from the old soundtrack, which was cool. But like, they still those those are classic songs, so they still hold up today. They don't sound like you know bad old songs or something like that. Um, so yeah. I thought I thought you know that's what I really enjoyed was they came out and they just made a new good movie that you should see today. It wasn't like resting on oh you know the, its past legacy and and letting that do some of the legwork. I feel like they they really came out swinging. Yeah, like, I felt like watching it, the movie had a great flow to it. I wasn't confused. Like, I took my whole family to go watch it. Cause that's something we've been doing lately, I guess, the last few weeks now. Like, probably, like, the last month or so. We've just been going to the movie theaters, like, on Fridays or Saturday nights. And uh, so it was, like, one of those things, like, I was excited to see it. None of my family have seen it. Like, I think my wife, she's seen, like, parts of it when she was younger. So she was kind of familiar with it, but not really. So that's the thing, like, we're all going... It was kind of like, all right, we're at the movies, and let's just see, like, this is going to, you know, like, there's been times we went to the movies to all see something, and a person would check out, a person wouldn't be interested, a person would kind of, like, every all of us, like, even when they were asking questions about it, and I was trying to answer questions best, I know this off of, like, you know, some of the generalities, like, why does the Navy has uh, fighters, uh, fly, excuse me, pilots, um, you know, things like, like this story, like, who's that, or how's he connected, like, things like that, like, little things that it was easy to pick up on from watching it. But overall, I thought the movie was, like, amazing. Like, it just, the storyline was simple, but it was still kind of, you know, it was easy to follow along. The action wasn't too over the top, even though it was, you know, it's like fire. It's like, it's the jets in the air. Like, everything was great about it. Like, I, I honestly thought it was a, a really good movie. I didn't have any complaints by it. And, like, it was weird because then I started thinking, like, you know, I guess we'll talk about this later on, like you said, about the Tom Cruise. Like, do we need guys like Tom Cruise? And I was thinking, like, yo, this is, like, this is this is what a remake is supposed to be. Like you kind of you you play off of the past, but you don't try to recapture it. You don't try to uh, like like shy away from it. You just kind of build on it. And I feel like they did that perfectly with this story. Like they built off of the first one, but furthered the story in a way that was like, all right, this is refreshing to watch. It's not like you know, like some of the remakes they've come out in, in the past years. They bombed so hard because it's kind of like we had one expectations and they just failed to kind of capitalize on it or failed to top it. And I felt like they just did this. It was perfect. Like I had no complaints about it. Yeah, yeah. You know what? And, and you make you bring up a good point. I guess we'll, we'll just forget the format. We'll just let it flow. I won't do a commercial. Let's just all let's get it all out, basically, while, while it's on our mind. And I, I, I agree with you. I mean, 
watching it, you know, I feel like the movie star isn't what it used to be. I mean, I feel like now, you know, like, um, I mean, kind of bring it up. I don't know if you saw, I tweeted you that they they're, supposedly they're dropping the, the guy who plays Flash from all yeah. the DC films. That's right. Another, and, yeah. Yeah, and you know, and I think that's a big trap that um, it's it's like a you kind of damned if you do, you damned if you don't. I do think guys like Henry Cavill who plays Superman that they should be doing more, maybe videos. They should be doing more to promote the film. Um, but maybe being all over Twitter and having every part of your personal life all out there, maybe that's not a good idea because it kind of brings people down. I feel like to a very relatable level, and then they're not they don't feel like a star anymore. Where Tom Cruise, you know, you hear about him. He does TV shows. He might do a movie presenting, you know, like a video. Like um, he's also, I think he did something with James Gordon, showing like I think James Gordon how to actually fly a jet or something. Um, I watched that. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty funny. It was pretty good. Yeah, so he does stuff to promote and and get out there, and you know that the movie's coming. But he's still mysterious a bit. He's still a kind of away from society. So I feel like he does still live in the realm of movie stars. I feel like he's one of the last few people. They like live up there. I guess I'll I'll say Denzel too. I don't know much about Denzel's personal life. I feel like he's still someone that, that kind of walks up there. Um, but you know, even Will Smith obviously recently has had a lot of issues and stuff. So there's not many people who I think are exist as a movie star when they show up. You see them, and I, I would think I would wonder at this point, like, well, do we still need those guys? And I think Tom Cruise in that movie, a hundred percent shows. Yes, you still need those guys. It may be harder to do. They might be more rare or more special if someone's able to kind of hold that status and, and kind of, you know, do the good job and show up. And, and I, I've heard, you know, we, we, there was I think leaks came out of him like yelling at everybody on set. Um, and he was saying in that situation that, they, that the, he felt like Hollywood was looking at that movie production as like they were the standard and they needed to really make sure they did it well. Or they was going to, you know, they broke the COVID, um, you know, um, restrictions. They would shut them all down and stuff like that. So I know he was trying really hard, like he always is for everything that he does, to make that movie something special. And I think it shows. And I think that's really what the rest of the industry should be on notice about. It's not that people don't want really good movies anymore. Is that everyone needs to step their game up and start figuring out ways to make movies more interesting. And I think that was really what he's his this Hopcon. I think he he showed other ways to use cameras every day. I thought it was very impressive. Yeah, I agree. And I think the biggest thing is a lot of times, like, I don't know when it happened, but I feel like the reason why a movie like that, it succeeds, it's the same reason we look at a movie like uh, John Wick succeeds. And like, yeah, we get the big star. Like, Keanu Reeves probably isn't as big of a star as Tom Cruise, but he's just as big. Like, he's a star in his own way. Like, he's a major star yeah, um, in action films. So the thing is, though, you think about, like, Top Gun, that's a, that's a pretty solid story. Like, it's a pretty solid story. It's a great production. It's not over the top with all the green screen stuff. It's just like, it's, it's a solid foundation. And I feel like a, a lot of times the problem, some of these studios, they'll just say, you know what, let's just get the big star. Never mind how the story is. Like you, you mentioned Harry Cavill and uh, Ben Affleck from the DC. I guess they're like a perfect example of just getting the big stars but having a really weak story. Because when that first Dawn of Justice came out, and then when they came out with the first uh, Justice League, those movies were pretty weak. Like, they weren't good movies. They just had big yeah. stars in the roles, in the starring roles. And then you look at something like the Snyder's Cut, where it's like, all right, yeah, it's the same movie as the Justice League, but it's like a little more, 
it's a little more story on there. They they slowly they're actually telling the story and they give you the whole picture. You're like, all right, this makes sense, but we can't have every movie being four hours. I think when you look at something like Top Gun, I feel like yeah, you could probably from that story, even John Wick, like from that story, you know, the simplicity behind it and the good acting and the good like the good camera angles and things like that, the good uh, filming. You probably can have anybody who really knows how to act in those roles. It's just when you put that megastar in that role, it makes it pop a lot more. You know, it's it's like it's like getting in a really nice car and then you detailing it. And it's like, oh, okay, all right. Now it's like it just it just twinkles a lot more in the light. And I think that's what they do. Like they just put it over the edge. They're bringing more casual viewers, but they're also bringing the hardcore uh, viewers in. And I think that's the thing that pe- the, the studios need to get to when they try to make these films again. Like, you can get the stars. That no one's saying get away from the stars, but you gotta have a strong foundation. If you don't have a strong foundation, as far as like a good story in place, you know, a, a solid director, um, and just bringing something new to the table, it's gonna be hard to constantly justify like, well, why not just only make you know these indie films that's kind of low budgeted that could possibly grow a little bit bigger or straight to box office, or you, you end up with the superhero movies again. Yeah, I think if you have a really good story and you have a good actor. And they want to do a small, like small budget film. The Wrestler comes to mind. I thought The Wrestler was good with Mickey Ward. Great movie, um, yeah, great movie. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just an actor acting, right? Let's go out into like a neighborhood. Let's go outside. Let's go into this like wrestling ring in a small gym and tell a story. Do that film, you know? You could do that film. Maybe it has a small release in theater, like one week or something like that. A few screens straight to streaming make it exclusive or something like that make it special i know there's there's months to go by where there seems like nothing special is coming out to like maybe hbo max so take that movie you know it has the star's name in it put it on the front of the app right advertise that movie try to see if people want to subscribe to at least make the app feel like it has a new movie and you could do that probably for a much smaller budget um than having to do like a really big film but if you're gonna go big you got to go big or go home. I feel like when you see Keanu training for John Wick and they're doing, they're showing the videos, he's, he's working out in the gym, karate, he's doing the martial arts, he's, he's at the range, he's doing this stuff. You're thinking, oh, man, this guy's really putting the time in. And then you go watch the movie and it shows he's bringing something different to the table. I think that's really cool. Plus, the movie is stylized. It has a good visual. So then you hear these legends about Tom Cruise. Same thing. He's this situation there trying to figure out how to get cameras on these jets. He's trying to actually really have planes in the footage and somehow do these things. And it's like, wow, I've never seen that before. You know, he, and he's known for it. It's almost a thing I think we, we um, almost take, we almost take for granted. We're like, you know, he makes the Mission Impossible films. He does that in those situations too. But I think that had an uh, issue where there's like, I don't, I think there's 10 of them. I don't even know how many they are at this point. The other day, I my collection. I saw one last night. Which one you saw? I saw the preview for the new one that comes out last night. I didn't even know the new one was coming out. Yeah, I heard Fallout was good. I think that came out last year or something like that. I actually knew. I only remember it because it has. it's called Mission Impossible Fallout, and I like the video game Fallout. Um, but I heard that one was good. But I don't know what number it is or where it falls in line, the series. So I kind of like forget, you know, where am I at? And I actually, the other day, I think I put on Mission Impossible three or four maybe trying to get back into the franchise because i do have a lot of but i haven't seen them all and again i think maybe with that story we've seen that situation so many times so maybe even there like even though he's doing his most you know to make those movies as good as possible and and fallout was well received top gun was something it was old but it was new and i remember when i 
the trailer for it. It wasn't a trailer. They showed like a 15 minute preview, I think, before Doctor Strange. And it was very different. Even that marketing was a different move to make you like sit there and just see the Jets. You know, I never seen that on screen. And that's an old thing. Scott Atkins, he's a famous martial artist. He does stunts. Um, he said something that his stunt choreographer taught him when he was learning how to make films. And he said, when doing choreography, the idea is to put something beautiful on screen. And I thought that to, to explain why two guys fighting in a dirty warehouse could look interesting. If the camera is showing these cool moves you've never seen before, are these two guys fighting? spectacle just every second you're watching if it's done well it's it looks good you put the camera somewhere it doesn't look good you don't want to see that so i think that applies to everything if you want to do a, a conversation scene try to make it more like spice it up a little bit you know um, if you're going to do a scene of driving where, where else can you put the camera watching better call saul they have a lot of good cold opens at the beginning of the show where the camera starts usually in an interesting place I think they're the first people to put the camera inside the microwave. So, like, the guy closes the microwave and it looks like you're inside the can uh, the microwave with the camera. <laughs> it makes it interesting when you're watching these kind of mundane things. I think sometimes a lot of filmmakers just rest and they say, okay, well, this is interesting. what happens. You walk into the diner. And we've seen that scene a million times. It's like, man, like, do, do something to make this at least visually interesting until we get to the part of the conversation where there's an interesting story being told or a joke or something. Spice it up a bit. I feel like with this, you know, with I remember when they started off with that scene where they're inside the, um, I guess the spoiler warnings for anybody who's listening to this who maybe hasn't seen it. But when they do the scene where he's inside that that speed plane, that plane that's like breaking Mach 10 or something. Yeah. That whole scene was so intense. I He could have yes. died at the beginning of the movie. Like, I did not know, you know, what was going on. I was even questioning myself, like, is he really doing this? Is he really in a Mach 10 plane? Because he has such a reputation I don't even know what's real and what's not real when it comes to his movies, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, the lines are definitely blurred when you watch this. Because, like, when you're watching it, you automatically... I guess we're just automatically, uh, you know, conditioned to think this is green screen. Like, this is yeah. green screen, and this is not there. But then, like, you hear about how, like you said, like, he trained with the, the fighter jets, and he's, like, really enthusiastic about all this stuff. So they starting to wonder, you're like, well, hold on. Like... Is one of the greatest actors also one of the greatest fucking pilots ever? Like, is this <laughs> like, 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 you're like, where's the line at with this? And then, like, as you're watching it, it's so intense. Like, you just feel the, you could, like, you could feel people around you that's watching it. You could just feel how they feel. They, like, everyone feels the same way. Like, oh shit, oh shit. And then it's like, that part was really intense. The part when he first takes out the cadets is really intense. The end scene, like, that last, like, I remember looking at my watch and I went to an 830 showing. And by the time the movie started, it was about like nine o'clock, I remember. Yeah. And then I think it got to like around like, I want to say like maybe like 11 o'clock, like 1101 or something. I think it said on my uh, phone when I looked at it. And I was like, oh, this movie's about to end. Because it said it was like two hours and a couple minutes. I'm like, it's about to end. But I felt like it was like 20 minutes of just nonstop. I was like, yo, this is too much, man. Like, this is, but it's such a good way. Like, it's not overdrawn. Like, it's not, yeah. like, you know, too much. Like, they, they drag it out in a way that, like, you feel like any moment, even the last moment right before they landed, I was like, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. Just because it's the way it feels, like, the way they set it up. And it's, like, such a perfect way that they did the film that it's like, yo, man, like, they can do movies like this. I just think, they, like I said, they need to have a stronger foundation. If they're not going to have, like, the superstars, like, this, the mega stars that we, like, the blockbuster stars that we're used to, that we grew up with, 
they need to like grow these people into them, like the next batch of whoever the stars may be. Like let them grow with the film. Like keep them keep them around. And that's, I think that's kind of an issue too. We have all these you know young actors and actresses that's probably better than what we had before because a lot of them you know they come from like Broadway shows and they come from England and they do more things before they actually pop onto the big screen. But like it just don't seem like they're patient enough, or maybe the public isn't patient enough. And these people go on to other things. Like I saw uh, a report recently that um, they're about to, they have seven different spinoffs uh, lined up for uh, Game of Thrones. I'm probably one of the biggest Game of Thrones fans in the world, but there's probably no reason that uh, the guy who played Jon Snow, uh, Kit Harrington, is coming back to play Jon Snow again. Like he's been moving on to bigger and better things. Not saying you know that's not great, but like he should essentially be the next person to do like action films and stuff. But instead he's back on a smaller screen and it just makes you wonder like, all right, why is that the case? Like, why is no films out there? Like no studios, like, Hey, we want you to be the next guy, the next action hero. Um, it, it's just, it's, it's confusing, you know, like I don't, I don't understand it. I think, a lot, I think it might be something about the overall culture or where we're at in society. I feel like now, I mean, with, even with our generation, like you, you hear about people not wanting to own houses as much. You hear about people wanting to have, you know, instead of having a big savings account, they might have, want to have more experiences. I think people are more in tune than ever with their own mental health, with emotions, and in that work-life balance. You know, all buzzwords we hear nowadays. Yeah. So I feel like guys like Tom Cruise, and even guys like Uncle Steve Austin and, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, I feel like there was a mentality that was going on during that time in the 90s, early 2000s, where like the, the, all the entertainment was kind of on fire. It was becoming a really big thing, almost pre-internet, like right before the internet really, really took off. And when those guys showed up to work, is when they showed up to dominate. They showed up to be like, I'm going to be the best actor. Like we know, we hear stories about sacrifices actors used to make for films and to the extent they would go to it. We hear now... I think more than ever, actors and other art entertainers being like, oh, I do this, but I also like have this other hobby. So maybe I want to retire or, you know, they, I feel like their minds don't, uh, they want dominant best actor. I feel like that's not the same thing you hear a lot. Like I know like Tom Holland recently, I think had an interview where I think when he was very young, he said he wanted to do Spider-Man forever. And then recently he said, if I'm 30 years old, um, I might be misquoting him, but if I'm in my 30s still doing Spider-Man, then I made a mistake. And I was thinking, oh, no, who who got in your head? That is the worst thing I've ever heard. Like, no, you should be dominating. You should be yeah. the number one superhero actor. If, if, I mean, if you want to do other films, by all means. But you're Spider-Man. The world's fought for you to be Spider-Man. You, 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 you're, you're, um. You've basically been in so many Spider-Man films. You're probably now the most prolific Spider-Man. I think he's had the most Spider-Man appearances at this point. And you're like, you're so young. Now just dominate. Show people how to become a 50-year-old Spider-Man. Show people what it's like to be the older Spider-Man. Like, like dominate this. Have a 50-, 60-year legacy that you leave behind that, that anyone that comes after you would just be just crazy if they think they can that's what Tom Cruise has done since he was 18. He's made all these films and he's approached with that attitude. So if Tom Holland's thinking, oh, I want to do that too. I want to go do other films. Sure, you can. You don't have to always show up as Spider-Man. Robert Downey Jr. wasn't always like 24-7 Iron Man. A lot of times, 
it'd be like a CGI Iron Man, and he would show up and do like one scene in a suit, right? Like you don't even know how much is actually there. But he's, but he's when he was Iron Man, there was no question that he was top dog at Marvel. Like everyone understood that he was top dog at Marvel. And franchise built what now Marvel has. It started that legacy of all the things they were doing, all the films he was showing up in. So I feel like the mentality and the culture has changed. Where people are kind of encouraging people, or they're their friends, or they're talking to each other. Everyone's like not trying to dominate anymore. They're kind of being more like, ah, it's okay. And like, yeah, and I feel like when you're watching films and TV shows for the most part, you get a lot of okay stuff. You see what I don't feel like there's people that pop to my mind when it comes to these young actors that are coming out and getting a reputation for being dominated. Again, I'm gonna use the Flash guy as an analogy. You know, come out and be the most dominant Flash ever. Be a great actor, be amazing. Instead, I see him from a quick Google search in all kinds of like magazine covers and expressing him in other ways and doing all this stuff. I don't know much about the controversy or his legal issue he had. I saw some things and I didn't even want to look any further into it. But I thought, man, for such a young actor, you're, you're known and you're all over the internet for all this stuff that has nothing to do with acting. You haven't even did one Flash film yet. You haven't even did one. But you're like, you're so on Twitter, you know, ch- calling people out, all this controversy, all this stuff. I'm like, Let's make a really good movie, man. Like, why can't we just do that? So I think that's something that's being lost. I think people are worried about being famous. They're coming out and they're trying to be like the most famous person ever, maybe. But there's very few people who want to make just amazing films. And it shows. And that's why I think a lot of those films bomb. I think that's why we don't know a lot of the younger guys' stars. And um, I'm hoping there's some other younger people who come out there who see that gap and take it, you know, take advantage, come in and kind of take over for the older guys. So two things I, I uh because I was thinking about this earlier and like you just brought up a good point. So the uh, the first thing I think I guess I mentioned like when I was watching uh when I was watching the Tom Cruise and the James Corbin interview, I thought how funny it was. I'm thinking like, yo, it's Tom Cruise, you know, he's like doing this whole little skit on uh his late night show or whatever it is. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yo, at this point, at this movie just came out, DC need to just call Tom Cruise. And be like, whatever you want, it does not matter. We'll name the studio after you. We'll name the comics after you. We just need you to play Batman. Like, I feel like that's the only option at this point. Like, maybe I'm just living in the moment because I just saw this movie. But I'm like, they they got Bale, who was great. You know, like, I thought I thought Affleck was terrible. I don't care what anyone says. I just thought Affleck was terrible as Batman. Clooney wasn't bad. But it seemed like he was never going to stick around. I don't really remember the Val Kilmore too much. And, like, you know, Keaton was always good. I always like Keaton no matter what and everything he's in. Yeah, I feel like at this point, like if they need to, like, in order to save, in order to save uh, Batman as a whole, I'm like, they probably need Tom Cruise. Like, they probably need a guy that's gonna come in there, be super serious, be amazing at what he do, and just save the fucking film. But I was like, they probably would never do that because, like, I guess, like the thing about, like, you know, they say like, like Batman's tall or whatever, and Tom Cruise is short, which doesn't matter to me. I don't know. I feel like we live in a world now where those kind of things don't necessarily matter anymore. Like, yeah. I feel like that's like an old way of thinking, but I'm like, they need to do something. Cause I was like, you talking about, I'm like, they're holding on to him as the flash. I'm like, unless he has not acted since that movie has come out, I'm tired of hearing about him being a flash. That was like 2017, 2016. And, yeah. and we have not got a solo flash movie. I don't want to hear about DC's Ezra Miller. Cause I'm like, why, like, what does he got? Like a non-exclusive uh, contract where he can't act in anything else. I was like, no, like, come on. Like, that's, that's so, like, I don't understand that. Like, it's not a developmental deal. 
Like this guy already been acting forever. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like they're holding him hostage, but they're not building him up to a star where we should know him as like the Flash. Like he could walk past me right now on the street, unless you told me who he was or he had a name tag on, I wouldn't know who he is. And that's like that's a failing on their part. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not a just big problem. Go ahead. Not to say not just DC, but a failing on the studio part. I think another thing too you brought up with the Tom Holland part, like Tom Holland saying he doesn't want to play Spider Man after thirty. Which will be crazy, I guess, financially, but then also popularity. But also, like, you think about it. He's not telling Tom Holland's story. He's telling Spider-Man's story. And it sucks because we already know, like, you know, all the Spider-Man stories. Like, we can go back and look at all these different comics from Spider-Man. And it's going to end one of, it's going to end one of those ways. It's not like we still waiting to see how this plays out. Someone like Tom Cruise, who plays, like, you know, Maverick in that film, or the character he played in Mission Impossible, or some of the other characters that he played in some of the other films, they're never bigger than Tom Cruise because he makes the characters. We don't know these characters. He's just bringing them to life from, like, you know, like, his mind, whatever. It's not like someone else created these characters and he's, like, playing a role. Like, yeah, he's playing a role, but he's not, like, playing a role that someone else created, you know? And I think that's the big difference with a lot of these guys that they probably want to be on a level of a Tom Cruise, of a Will Smith, of, you know, like, some of these, like, megastars, like Leonardo, who are able to just be, you know, these uber famous super duper mega stars but at the end of the day it's hard because these studios aren't necessarily building up the characters like that and they're not building stories like that so a lot of times they find themselves in a marvel film which is great i love marvel don't get me wrong but they're just telling a story that's already kind of played out they're just bringing it to life on the big screen and i think that's kind of the difficult part like robert downey jr did it but it's not in a sense like he was so early on that he was kind of like you like they talk about like the first phase. It's not like you know he's doing it now where we're kind of waiting to see. Like his story is already told. And he's like, I moved on, I'm doing my other things now. Like he probably could come back. But again, he started it from the beginning and he kind of is in the position of where as though if he wants to, he can, but he doesn't necessarily have to try to build off of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean these stories are really good. Like you look at like risky business. That's that's a movie I think was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Um, like that movie, like had me excited to grow up, basically, right? Like it, it was very interesting, and it was a really good recently. It was shot well. Interesting. It, it it starts off with this great like dream sequence where he's like riding a bike. He like walks into someone's house, and it's like all steamy. And I'm like, I never seen this. You're just in a suburb area. Why is the whole like world look? Like, the camera keeps cutting to like a tr- driving through like a think Philly. Just like, just I don't even know why. It's interesting. Just full music playing, and then when he's in the bathroom, he's like walking into I guess his neighbor's house. You don't see her, and I'm like, some other kind of situation. And I'm like, well, that's that's an interesting like start to a film. Like I'm instantly hooked. '80s movie. I put on a movie in 2020, and one of these other actors who've been in these other films will just like walk in, like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, why is the film starting this way? I mean, this is yeah. instantly boring to me. Like, I could be on YouTube right now. I could be on MySpace or Facebook or whatever, right? MySpace. I could be on the internet doing other stuff. Like, <laughs> I, um... <laughs> oh, man. Like, I, um, I don't understand why they're kind of just phoning it in when it comes to these things. And that might not be an actor's fault, but I believe the, the writer... That, that, that Tom Cruise has teamed up with to, to make a lot of his Mission Impossible films now. Um, they, I don't know if he's also the director on Top Gun, but like you can tell that it's like when, when he attaches himself, when Tom Cruise attaches himself to a project, 
everything, like he gets all of his hands involved. He's making sure that movie is a movie you want to watch. And if these actors are like, well, I'm not the director. I can't really do anything. I'm like, that's not a great situation to be in. You got to at least yeah. have a partnership with a director or be able to team with them and have some kind of conversation. Like, yo, when this starts off, this needs interesting. Like Mar- Marvel does that as a whole. Like all their films, you start with some kind of action sequence or something interesting they drop you into, which is the good way to do it. Breaking the openings they have to their show. Like that's, you got to oh, gotta be interesting. Every single second show on film, like Scott Atkins said, put something beautiful on film. Yeah. Interesting. I should always be entertained. And I see some actor put a movie on Netflix or something like that. I'll hit play. And it's like the countryside, slow opening, credits, 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 treetops, a car driving. I'm like, I'm so bored. What is, why am I watching this movie? Just because there's other actors in it. And in a scene to start off, they're like drinking some coffee. I'm like, I want to kill myself at this point. Like, I'm so tired of this. This is so boring. And I'm like, yeah, do, do something interesting. Like, you don't have a budget. I don't care. Be interesting. It's like the most, I think, I can't remember who said it. Um, I, I can't remember. I think it's Francis Ford Coppola. I might messed up. He says, the most, the only way, like, the number one movie sin, the only sin, sin in movies is being boring, something like that. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I'm like, that's I what I've heard doing. something like that before. Yeah, like, I mean, cause it's so true. Like, in music, anything you're doing, like, if you're going to get up, you're going to ask us for our time, please don't be boring. And if you want to do some kind of like psychological thriller, present the story in an interesting way. And so I, I can't think of another movie. There's a lot of movies that a lot of the guys from Marvel do. And I love Marvel. I love the actors. A lot of the other movies, when I go watch them, I don't watch them and feel like, oh, this is better than the other movie. But, like, let's say, like, so Jake Gyllenhaal is technically a Marvel actor. One of the best movies I've seen recently that I really love, I love to watch it over and over again, is Nightcrawler. Have you ever seen Nightcrawler? No. Oh, you're in for a treat. Nightcrawler is such an interesting film. It's very unique. Jake Gyllenhaal kills it. And um, he even did one. I think the same team did Nightcrawler did an art movie. It's an art horror movie for Netflix. It was really good, too. But Nightcrawler is amazing. And again, when it starts off, it's mysterious. There's something going on. It plays a psychological role. It's a very interesting role. Very This is taking place in a city. But I feel like when I watch that, he's better in that than he is in Mysterio. He's, he's really good as Mysterio. But all, all the things I've seen from other actors so far, that I can look at and say, yeah, like you're this character. But when I saw this other movie you were in, that movie, like I actually liked that more. A lot of the guys who are slotted into these characters, these superhero characters, I feel like they're kind of just relaxing and not really going out and trying to make other things that are also interesting. And I think that's the problem. I think like like we say like with Marvel, like we, we both love Marvel. So if anyone's out there listening, don't don't take it as like us being like, you know, Marvel haters and like waiting for their downfall. Like like Sammy and I talk all the time praising Marvel to the high heavens. So that's yeah. definitely not what we're doing. I think yeah, exactly. what, we're, what we're saying here is like what Tom Cruise showed us is if you're involved, if you're involved with not just like your parts on the film, but it seems like he's really has his, his hands all over this film as far as like the whole production of it. It seems like you can tell the ones where the movies are like, you know, paying off, like they're better. Um, maybe this is something that's kind of getting back to that, you know, after the pandemic. Cause like I, I last week I went to go see uh, Jurassic World Dominion Good film, not great. I think the first one is still the best one because they kind of put themselves in a position where, like, it's hard 
like the dinosaur thing is great because like I would love to see it and then they have like you know like Chris Pratt in it big star but at the same time when you're watching it it doesn't seem like they're allowed to do much with it because there's not much you can do with that kind of film even though it's a it's a great genre like it's nothing wrong with it but the thing is it's like a lot of times when you watch these things they don't have a direction like they don't have like direction they don't have like you know the team that's really invested in a way that makes it you know worthwhile watching i think about something like remember when we watched uh the raid yeah it seemed like a movie that was though you could just tell everyone had a vision everyone followed the plan and it started out with action but it was like a simple story they they was looking for a criminal they had to get to the top of the building realized that the, the person leading it the detective whatever was lying he was actually a crooked cop then they got to fight their way out and that was the story but it was a great story and that's the thing. I feel like a lot of times they try to get too cute with like the story or they put a weak story, which is the big face, big face actor or actress. And then it's like it comes out like a bad movie. And I feel like they just need to get away from that. Like, just do the simple thing. Build off a strong story. If you want to get a star attached to it, get a star. But just make sure the acting is solid. Like everyone, even outside of uh, Tom Cruise and Miles Teller, I feel like everyone else in the movie played their role really well. Especially the... Uh, hangman you know like he was like the antagonist of the film but he was still great in his role because he kind of did it well like he played his part like the way he's supposed to play it it was just like watching that movie was like all right i'm all because i I hate reboots but like watching i was like all right if they're going to do it like this i'm all for it if you're gonna make a reboot where it makes sense and it's actually like you know like a great film then sign me up for them like I'm, i'm about it and i feel like that's what they did last night when i watched it it's an amazing thing they they say that some people, you know, they, they, in a lot of in sports and a lot of situations, make other people better. And when I was watching Tom uh, Top Gun, I had the same exact thought. I thought to myself, I don't know most of the actors in this film, but I feel like they're all stars. And I was like, what yeah. what is that from? I mean, the girl stands out to me. I remember seeing her. I'm like, I have no idea who she is. And I felt like every time the camera was on her, every time they cut to her, she had charisma. She had presence. She said things that mattered. Everything that they did, all the interactions mattered. That's obviously the director, the editor, and the screenwriter. But I'm also, you know, filming people, you can put a camera on someone and say, say this. And if they say it, and then you, that's all you got. It's only footage you got. That's all you can do. I feel like the actual people on set, the actors working together, whatever the situation is, when they're stepping in, the director capture that good footage so i feel like it has to be the x factor here i miles teller was in ready player one with steven spielberg i thought it was an okay film i wasn't crazy about it too much he's younger i was like ah i don't guess spielberg is saying this is the guy he's anointing him i don't know miles teller in this movie with tom cruise i thought he was great i thought every single scene he did was good they did show that he was taller than tom cruise which you said like you, you hear these stories um i was Which I is something they would never do before yeah they yeah, do that a lot and my, my my youngest son he even mentioned it. he was like tom cruise is short and he's yeah. short so like for him to see that i kind of like it's funny like watching it i felt like him seeing that was kind of like oh damn like tom cruise is really short i'm really short and it's still pretty cool to see this guy it's like the lead dog on his movie um and, like, when they, they showed that, that's why I mentioned the Batman thing. I'm like, all right, well, the cat's out of the bag now. Like, we see, like, he's, like, a foot shorter than Miles Teller. Give him the, get him, give him, 
Let him he's save the rule. He's like, six let him feet shorter. All right, he's five. He's I know he's he's five five like me. So he's five six like me. Um, I, five, I, I thought he was five eight. Oh wow! I, I believe he's five 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 six. Like, I believe that's that's the realm he lives in. Um, but he seems like a giant when he's all the film yeah. and all the, the way they put him on film and, and and his acting, his presence. He's in great shape. He's amazing shape for his age. Yeah, I remember some people had put, put a picture of him online. Like offset, bad lighting with his shirt off, and he didn't look that great in that picture because it's a bad picture. And in this scene, he uh, the, sh- the movie, he took his shirt off. I'm like, man, that guy is in amazing shape. I don't even know how old he is, and that's also crazy. I'm like, I don't know how old his character is. I understand he's older, and they're addressing him as older, but he's in such good shape. I I can't really tell how old he is. He can he starts whooping someone's ass in this film. I'm gonna believe it just as much as any other character in this film. Um, and, like, and he don't have to be. He don't have to keep himself in that kind of shape, but he is in great shape. He's um he's again he is shorter, but I felt like he was just as capable as anybody. And uh, Miles Teller I think is six foot, so he's only six inches taller. But they put the camera in places that look down on Tom Cruise, and they would never do that. But they have mm-hmm. they have a great shot I think when they're having that conversation it's over Miles' left shoulder, looking down on Tom Cruise, which I think was again to show like that power shift and how Tom feels when he's dealing with him. And I, I was surprised that they let him be vulnerable and show those kind of things. And again, like his regular conversation, it's spectacle. They're making me see something from a different kind of view. They're, they're showing the part of the character and the story. Nothing was wasted. I felt like everything they did was great. Even like I have seen the old film, there were certain moments where they had like the, like they had that cheesy chance. But like we can redo the old scene. And I believe like the most problematic scene that they, the challenge they had was how do they redo um, the piano scene? There's like a famous piano scene in Top Gun where I believe they're singing You Got That Love and Feeling. And like all the girls are like loving the guys and all the sailors and the Navy men or whatever all there. Um, this scene, I remember they, they did it. I think it was shorter. I think this is the part where he gets thrown out. And since he's thrown out and he's on the outside looking in, but he's actually literally physically on the outside looking in, it was so sad. So like it was that scene, but they you can't even hear the song that much because they're outside. It was so clever. And then his son is playing playing the piano. Um, and I was watching it thinking too, like, man, he's probably really playing the piano. Like, oh, I'm buying it, hook, line, and sinker, everything uh-huh. about the film. And I'm like, yeah, like that that could have been a difficult scene. It could have easily been cheesy. So many films are doing reboot, reboot sequels. They they rest and they say, oh, we'll just redo that scene. Everyone wants to see it, right? I feel like they're almost looking at the camera like, aha, look, it's the scene you're waiting for. Like, they do that kind of thing. Yeah. But this is when they weaved it into the story and made it mean something new. And I was like, oh, man, like, these guys, they're, they're hitting on all cylinders, man. They're, they're knocking us out the park. It's like I remember a few years ago, um, like, a, a, a wrestling reference I'll use. A few years ago, I remember when uh, they asked Randy Orton about, uh, like, the indies, like, all the indie guys popping. And he was like, yo, man, like, you can't just have a match full of super kicks and then you can see the spot where they're setting it up. He was like, that's the thing that's like separates, you know, guys on the indie scene, but then guys like up here with us. And I feel like that's what that was last night. Like last night, like they had some iconic, you know, moments, like some little tip of the caps to the, the previous films, I'm guessing. Yeah. But like, it wasn't like, it was like super obvious unless they really told you. You would just like, I know like they flashed back to the dad playing the piano on the, uh, um, from the first one. Oh, you're but right. Like when when he initially started playing the piano, I just thought he was playing the piano because that's just what he did at that bar. It goes, it's a sailor bar. 
Like yeah. I, I know a lot of people that was in the military, especially the Navy and my family. And I've heard all kinds of stories of stuff like that, where guys will get like super, super drunk. And then like, next thing you know, somebody's playing something on the jukebox. And next thing you know, they're like, <laughs> they break out into singing or something or a certain kind of bar where only sailors go or only, uh, you know, army people, like people in the army go. So it's like, they had some things that was definitely a little bit, you know, believable. And that's another thing too, with Tom Cruise's character in the film. Like, yeah, he's an older guy. But like, it felt like when you watched it, he seemed like an older guy who was like reliving his past, but not like, yeah, he was stuck in the past. But like, I'm sure there was a lot of dads who grew up with, you know, that movie from the 80s. And they probably watched that and felt like, yo, I remember how I felt when I saw this the first time. And like, he had his bomber jacket on. He had his bike. You know, like he was constantly being a mechanic, like fixing a plane and things like that. Like, I always hear stories about like guys buying cars. And they'll buy a car to work on it, knowing they're going to sink, uh, put money into it. Not like it's going to be like a money pit, but they understand buying this means I'm going to put money into it to fix it. This is what brings me joy. And that's, I feel like every time he did that with the plane, it was just bringing up some kind of joy because he was fixing something he loved. And it was just kind of like a tip of the cap into the past. I feel like you don't see it necessarily anymore. But that's just a thing. Like some people just love being a mechanic. And it was just like, yeah, he was an aviation mechanic, but still it was like, believable and it was like simplistic in a way that it was like all right i like this this isn't like too over the top you know it's not like too you know cgi or too like unbelievable unrelatable like you can watch you can watch iron man yeah tony's a mechanic but then he's also like an engineer he's also a welder he's also a billionaire philanthropist it's like you can't relate to that stuff so yeah. even if he's into like the robotics and stuff it's like i'm into robotics but you're not into all the other things maybe you're a welder but you're not into all other things. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just, it's like too much. Whereas so this film, it was just simple. Like, everything was just simple, simple, simple. But it was nice, though. It was like a nice flow and nice, believable, you know, film that made it feel like, you know what, this is, they need more films like this. Like, this is easy to kind of do if it's done right. It doesn't have to be super difficult. Yeah, and it has so many scenes that hit home. Like instantly, like his relationship with Jennifer Connelly, I don't remember. Is she like supposed to be the girl from the first movie? I don't remember. Is she's like just another girl that he's on an off relationship with? I don't know. But in this film, as it stands alone, they're like dynamic. It's easily explained. Their scenes are short. They're interesting. When they're talking, like the other guys walk in, then they go back to them talking. She has a cute gimmick where, like, the, you know, the bar. She like rings the bell. Then, like, they throw him out. He buys everyone drink. Back and forth, back and forth. Then when they introduce her daughter into the mix, I don't see any of this coming. Like you said, I don't see the super kick coming. I don't I don't see the setup. And then when they get to that emotional moment, like, he drops her off. They're not going to hook up. I think like, that makes sense. And then something, something else happens. He drops her off. They do hook up. And then when he's about to sneak out, you're like, ha, ha, ha. He bumps into the daughter. And yeah. she's like, yeah, it's going to break her heart. Like, that hit me in my gut. And yeah. I was like, that's that's the, that's when you that's what I'm saying. That's what Randy Orton's saying. Like, you don't see it coming. And I'm like, this love story of these two characters I do not know in just a few minutes, it's hitting home where you're understanding these are real, relatable human moments that matter. So you don't need CGI, you don't need green screen, you don't need a jet. Just them doing it. I thought everything they did with Val Kilmer was amazing. Um, I yeah. thought you know the, the way they did they worked the text messages in. Even that, the camera was showing the phone in an interesting way. They make the text message be on screen. You see him writing. You see him deleting. You see the bubbles of, you know, you knowing that the other message is coming from the other person. You can feel, like, the tension even in that. I'm like, that means nothing went to waste. Like, they thought about everything. And even yeah. the Val Kilmer moment mattered, you know? 
you know what it felt like real quick to jump in it felt like like watching sports when you'll see like a team win the championship and yeah. then like when they do like the year in review and then at some point in the season they'll like one like the like the best player on the team will go back to the team and be like look everyone needs to understand we, we got to all play our part here like everyone has to do what they have to do you know but then when your number is called you got to deliver like we don't, you may go a game where you don't get no touches. You may go a game where you get all the touches. But when we call your number, when we call you, when it's your moment to shine, you gotta show up. And I felt like in that movie, that's what it was. It would seem like, yeah, it would be more Miles Teller, Tom Cruise, Miles Teller, Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, and for Connolly. But it just seemed like when it was time for like one of the other people to jump in and do their part, they hit it every time. Like er, even a yeah. guy Bob, like even a guy Bob, who was like. <laughs> Like they, he was like the punchline at one point. It was kind of like you look at him; he's just sitting in the corner, and not all confident like the rest of the guys, not all super in shape. But it seemed like he hit that part so well. Like when they were in the fighter jets, everyone got their moment. And it was like, look, everyone's gonna get it spread out this time, from the girl to the guy payback to like everyone. Like it seemed like everyone had their moment. It seemed like when everyone got their name called, they delivered. Like it was, like I don't remember the last time I've been to the movies, and I honestly, like probably. When I saw uh, Doctor Strange too, because even when I was watching um, Jurassic World, I didn't like. I thought that movie overall was. I thought overall was good, but it's not like something I was excited to talk about the next day. It was kind of like, eh, like it was good, but it wasn't like terrible, you know. Like it, it just it's just how I felt watching it. But I felt like this movie, like it's like every part delivered, like every single part. Like I'm I'm waiting for a spinoff on Netflix to be like a show. Like guess what I'm waiting for? Like yeah, <laughs> I want to see the rest. of I want to see the rest of the show. I want to see the rest of the cast. Like, where are they where are they going when they leave there? Like, that's what I want. Yeah, and I really hope. Like, again, some of that rubs off. Because I really think that's that's the message. It's it's a message of dominance that's missing. I think this generation is if you're going to get up, and you're going to turn on that camera, make it worth my time. Don't. Yeah. That's my my biggest problem when I have when it comes to me YouTubing is like when I sit down doing a video. And I'm like, hey everybody, it's Sammy Ryan. I'm here. And then like, that's I that's we're taught that. Like this generation right now is being taught that kind of attitude. And it's gotta be like, no, like when that camera comes on, this needs to matter. The story needs to matter, or your presence needs to matter. It should matter because I I you know TikTok teaches people. I love TikTok is like you got five seconds, you got 10 seconds, like like they get right to it. This is what we're doing here. I think that's helping people kind of not be so long-winded and boring about things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when I was watching that, to me, like the pinnacle of films in my lifetime recently has been Endgame. But if I'm fair, yeah. Endgame was like making it's a it's a two-part you know situation, um, and then Endgame is you know from start to finish, chock full of stuff, great acting. It's it's everything going on. So I'm not going to sit there and even try to directly compare them. I'm not going to say Top Gun. You don't have to pick one or the other. What I'm saying is that as a viewer, I had emotional responses of excitement, sadness, dread, fear, been happy when like you know people pulled it off. The same level I had, and I had yeah. times when I wanted to cry for these characters I didn't even know. I had times when I cheered. There was even. Even like um, was I can't remember what was his name. Who's the who's like the asshole guy in the movie you, you mentioned? I can't remember his name right now. Hangman. 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 I was praying. I was begging. As soon as they were in the air, and those menacing pilot um pilots from the other country they don't name. Like, yeah, the uh the the the, the fifth generation. Oh, what the hell? They were. Oh my god, they were just scary. Like you didn't know anything about them, and 
and the, those freaking black helmets with just them breathing. I'm like, mm-hmm. yo, like, who are these guys? But when they were coming back and they're getting out there, I'm sitting there doing all the math in my head, like, yo, how are they going to get out this scene? Like, are y'all going to kill these guys again? Like, are they going to die? I was like, Hangman, Hangman, where, where's Hangman? Like, please, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? You, do it, right? you know classic. what's funny? Okay. It's funny because, like, they they had you so, like, they had you so, like, on the hook, like, so real then so much. Even when the wheels was coming down and they were landing on the damn ship, I was like, someone's going to still get shot. Like, they're going to, it's going to be one last person that's going to come and just shoot a missile and kill that last. Because they just had me at that point. Like, they literally could have did anything they wanted and I would have been, like, I was so drawn in. And, yeah. like, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. And I'm glad it didn't do that. I think that's yeah, the current trend we saw over the last five years from, like, asshole directors and writers yeah. that feel like, oh, I'm going to get you to the place that you want to be, and aha, now that you're there, I'm going to ruin the moment because you don't know what happens when I'm making a movie. I'm like, no, no, no. It's, it's a cheap it. setup. It's a cheap yeah. setup for a sequel. Yeah, they're, they're, their characters earned it. They did everything they had to do. They resolved their problems emotionally. They 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 outsmarted the enemy. They got out of that country. They they got back to the plane. Even when that plane, I didn't even know you can land planes like that. Like the whole net thing. Even that yeah. landing was scary. And when they got there, I'm like, they earned this. Now they deserve happiness, and that's the story. I don't care. Every film should tell you that. At the end of that, if you do everything you're supposed to do, and you you your character starts off someplace, they they have to get to that moment where they realize something needs to change. And they change, and they get rewarded. And every time someone's like, I hate how that always happens. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Because if you went in real life and did something and you didn't get what you wanted at the end, you would hate that. But I think that's that's also the kind of the throwback to the the 80s. We talk about all the time with, like, Game of Thrones, where, you know, like, they kind of was like, I don't want to say they were the first ones to break the mold of the excuse me of the good guy always winning in the end but they made it publicized and they made it like a big deal to kind of constantly go that route like you said like the asshole director where it kind of gets you to the point where you're feeling good about it and then right before it's over it's like oh fuck why would you do that and it's like now you're sitting there waiting 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 we got away from you know the happy ending all the time because it seemed like it was so cliche and i think that was a problem with a lot of action hero movie too we always saw the good guy win and then it got to a point where it became stale and then it kind of got to a point where, like, we look at society and, like, the bad guy who they told us was the bad guy, he was often, like, a reflection of society in a way. So we kind of root, see ourselves rooting for the bad guy. But I think this film, again, you know, a tip of the cat to the 80s and how things used to be, like you said, they earned all that stuff. They earned that ending they got. So it's like, because they got to that point where it was like, that's what they earned, it was like, it made sense for it to end that way, even though... It just they they had they had the audience gravitated and captivated to the point where we just couldn't turn. Real quick, I'll ask you: Before your film started, did Tom Cruise give the PSA about how they yep. they went through? So I thought that was interesting watching it. Like when it first came on, I was like, "That's interesting." I never seen the actor do that. And then in the end, I thought about it too, and I was like, "You know what? For him to do that, I think that's a big thing." Like you said, like big screens, or we need the movies in a way, like. We know about like the tragedy that happened in Colorado during the Batman film, like almost a decade ago, and then dwindling t- uh, film uh, ticket sales, the comfort of our own home, better ex- uh, movie experiences by watching things at our home, straight to video is now not straight to video. It used to be in the '90s where it was kind of like if you did straight to video in the '90s, 
it was pretty much like not even considered a flop. It was just like a horrible idea. Like you fell off. But now we find something straight to video. I was like, oh, this makes sense to be straight to video. Like I think about like coming to America, straight to video for that was good, but it wasn't great. It didn't make sense to put that in movie theaters because it literally had no place to be in movie theaters, even though it was an okay movie. It just didn't have a place in there. A film like this, I see why they wanted it in the movie theaters. It was almost like a justification. Like, look, we can still do big box office films and get people out in the theaters if it's done right. Like, yeah, I can watch that at home, but I definitely realized my viewing experience was better in the movie theater. It's just something about it. It's like, it's like, it's like getting a massage at home or something, or getting a haircut at home, but then going to a barbershop. Like you get that experience at a barbershop. It's just something about being in the environment that makes it a little bit better than in the comfort of your own home. Like sometimes you got to break out of the comfort zone, I guess, and you got to really enjoy the experience. I don't know. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but I, I hope you sh- you're following along what I'm saying though. Yeah, when I go to a theme park and they have a motion simulator and they hire some okay actors to do some okay video. Sometimes at Disney and stuff, they even get the real actors to show up and do a few pieces. For Fast and the Furious, they had some of the real actors show up and film some little pieces. Um, but when you're there, that those videos are not great. But you're on the actual ride and you're experiencing something new. If you took those videos streaming, I'm not watching those videos because they're not great videos. So yeah. I think what happens is in the theater, you have to make something that carries the theater. A lot of films sort of just resting on the theater carrying them. I'm charging $10 for you to come watch some some guy, again, do a emotionally driven movie where he's like hanging out at a diner. I got paid $10 for that, but then I also am paying $10 for, um, you know, Marvel's Endgame, Iron Man 3, Top Gun. Same value. It's not the same ride. So if I'm going to go to theaters, companies have to make movies that make the theaters shine. Use this audio. Use this big screen. Put something on that screen that looks amazing on that big screen. Make it matter. Don't put a guy sitting in a diner just talking to another guy in a diner. And I'm sitting here looking at this on a big screen thinking, I could have watched this on my cell phone. There's no reason for all this environment. And a lot of companies are just pumping out movies. Like There used to be a time where like one good movie would come out a month. And then it was like maybe another film or two that would be out there. Now there's so many people making movies that like every week, like three movies come out, four movies come out and next week, four more come out. And I'm looking at the, the tickets. I'm like, I don't want to see any of these movies. Like none of these movies are interesting. The ones that maybe are interesting. I'm thinking I could wait later. That Jurassic world is one you would think, Oh, I need to see that on the big screen. Uh, Top guns. Another one. I was like, I, I was like, yeah, I need to come to see theaters to see this Dr. Strange, obviously. I'm like, so if you're going to take, make a movie, and put it in the theaters and, and make us go see it, I, it should be like me going to a theme park. If I'm going to go spend $45 for a ticket to go to my local amusement park, let me spend 20 or $15 to go to my local theater and get a fun experience that really shines in the theater. Otherwise, I'm going to stay home. I think like this, uh, we were kind of exhausted as moviegoers at spending so much money on all these movies that kind of just phoning in. Well, you're sitting yeah. there, you're paying for this, this popcorn and stuff. You watch the movie, you're like, hey, I guess. Even movies that have a lot of visuals, like, I love the movie Speed Racer, the Wachowskis did, but not everyone yeah. liked it. So I understand that. It had a lot of visuals, maybe too much visuals for some people. I get it. But, you know, I, I was happy. I saw that in IMAX. I thought it looked great. Um, and, you know, but other people, I think, I think didn't really like the story as much. The story was not as clear. Maybe the visuals was too distracting. 
Um, but I'm like, yeah, then then that doesn't work. Then you gotta you gotta sit down and make sure that you're also hitting all the the buttons. And I think Top, Top Gun did a great job making sure it had a good solid story with good characters, but also had the visuals. And again, I think it just hit all those boxes. The, one of the last things I want to mention before we wrap up the podcast, I thought the conversation at the beginning of the film, the, the thing they presented, was a great um, analogy for art and business and the problems that the movie theaters and the movie industry is facing. When the other commander comes in, played by Ed Harris, and he wants to shut him down, he's like, you guys are the way of the dinosaur. Whether you like it or not, these AI-driven fighter jets are coming. And Tom Cruise is sitting there thinking, like, I don't care. I will even die, but I don't want all women to lose their jobs. I feel like they put a lot of time in that conversation and on that situation. And that's not the threat of the movie. About 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, he's going to Top Gun. And he's meeting the other character from, um, I, I love him, but I don't mess up his name. The other guy from Mad Men, who's the commander of the Top Gun. John Hamm. John Hamm. I can't believe I forgot his name. Mm -hmm. John Hamm. Yeah, he's great in the film, too. Yep. And Ed Harris is gone. I feel like the beginning of the film was a small little mini film that was just about the analogy of, you know, why do we still... And him kind of being like, I'm just a pilot. The, the, the analogy is, I'm just an actor. This is what I, I act. I have to act. So no matter what, I got to keep going and keep going. And when I do that... All these men and women who work on these films, they get to keep going. But, like, we can't just let it all go and have all CGI, you know, special effects people just making a bunch of movies, basically a bunch of digital animators making a bunch of movies and get rid of films. And then after that, I feel like then the movie Top Gun, it just explains that story. I, I don't know. Did you did you get any of that from that film or did you pick yeah. that up? At all? Yeah, I definitely did because I think about, like, the shift. With, I would say the last like 10 years, what is this, 2022? So, yeah, like the, pretty much like the last 10 years, I feel like, like you can make an argument that TV has overtaken uh, movies because just like the stories playing out and the more, you know, like they're being more developed, movies you get a shorter time with. So, a lot of times you can't really, you know, take your time for telling the story. You got to jump right into it. And I think that's the thing. Like, when you think about like all these big TV shows, everything from like The Wire, Sopranos, Breaking Bad. Um, Game of Thrones, like anything you could say that's like a big show, for the most part, I'll say coming into the show, we don't know who these actors are. Like we may recognize them from something here or there, but it's not like, you know, like like before, like it's not like whereas though like, it's not like before whereas though like people was on a show before, it was kind of like you did a show before you did movies. Whereas though now, it's just you may only do a show. You may only be known for a show. Like, I think about somebody like uh, Helen Ellen Pompey from Grey's Anatomy, the number one watch TV show, like, in the world right now. Like, they're still doing crazy ratings on ABC. Like, she's the highest-paid TV actress. But, like, she doesn't do anything else besides Grey's Anatomy. And, like, yeah. she's known from Grey's Anatomy. Whereas, though, before, she probably did, like, five or six seasons from Grey's Anatomy, and then it ended, and then she went on to do TV shows, kind of like, you know, like Will Smith did or Rachel Anderson did uh, on Friends. And that's just not the case no more. I feel like TV has legit taken over. So, like, Tom Cruise making that point, like, I'm just an actor, like you said, like, the analogy is, is true because you can easily just find the best screenwriters. Like, I'm going to put a group of screenwriters to make a great uh, story. And then you find, like, the best production people. And you find the best animators and the best people that operate, you know, the, like, the green screen and the lighting and all that stuff. And it's just like, all right, now I'm going to go find me a guy that's on Broadway who just kind of, you know, just fit the look that I'm looking for. 
just read these lines. I know you're an excellent actor. Just read these lines. And then that's kind of how you get like these amazing TV shows with these unknown people because they just have like a great team where Tom Cruise is kind of like, I'm the dinosaur, I'm the superstar, but I'm going to show you this can still work if we just kind of let me do my, like follow my lead almost and kind of, you know, just, just really invest in it and really not just invest in a project, but invest in me. And let me invest, like, put my all into it. And that's what I felt like watching it. I felt like this was a guy out there showing you, like, yo, this can still work. And I'm excited because that's not the first remake or sequel to, like, an 80s movie. Like, we didn't got Ghostbusters. We didn't got It. And it seems like we're excited about them. But then when you go watch them, it's like, all right, this this is kind of not It. You know, especially, like, It. <laughs> I said it so many times. Like, the second, the first remake for It was good. But then by the second one, you're like, yo, what the hell am I watching? Yeah. It's like it just get it just it jumps the shark, you know, like it, it just loses it. And I feel like this was this was kind of like the way that it should be. Like I feel like this is kind of setting the foundation for like how it's supposed to be. Yeah, I think I think too many guys out there they 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 pat themselves in the back and they think that they're at will and they think they, they they get too cute, they get too creative. And it's like that's do the job, you know, just do the job. You have to come in here. And do what people are expecting you to do. Are doing, and there's so many times I'm watching a TV show or a movie, and that's what they'll do. They'll they'll kill off a character just to like be like, "Ooh, look at this," um, where the character didn't need to die. And in, in fact, the only reason it's so shocking is because there's nothing in the story that says this character needs to die at this point. And they'll do that all the time. There's so many tricks now. And like, yeah, when when everyone's doing the tricks, right? Because th- those things are just like little cheap pops. It kind of work or might have been a, a classic moment for some show or some film. At the end of the day, you got to go back to making a coherent TV show or a coherent film. That's never going to stop. I think so many people are just resting on just doing all these tricks instead of just trying to do the job. That was my biggest gripe with The Last Jedi. I love Ryan Johnson. I love Looper. I love Brick. But when he did The Last Jedi, I felt like it was a lesson in being subversive. Every single thing that happened in the movie was like not supposed to happen. So he'd set something up and then just go a different direction you weren't expecting. And I remember like the whole time it felt like he was like, aha, I did something different than you expected. I'm like, yeah, you're not doing the job of being a Star Wars director. I came here to see Star Wars. I didn't see your fingerprints completely all over every single piece of this movie. And you constantly trying to show me something that isn't Star Wars to like shake me up. Like I didn't pay for that. I paid for something. I now would like this thing. And then when they get all mad and they're like, oh, I don't care. I'm I'm an artist. I do what I want. I'm like, no, you 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 pissed off 100 spent all this money and waited all these years. This don't belong to you. This isn't just yours. You're making this movie for everyone. And I feel like a lot of times these guys, like um, the biggest, the biggest guys, I will, I'll call them out on it, is the Game of Thrones guys. The Game of Thrones writers, mm-hmm. they didn't invent Game of Thrones. It doesn't belong to them. And they, they made the show and they guided the show with the help of HBO. And based on them books, it came with a pre-made fan base. It was on a premium network. People are paying for that network. You're paying every month for that network. And you get a million dollars an episode, or I think it was like four, I think $5 million an episode to produce your films or to produce your show. And then people in all these years, hours and hours of episodes to get to the end. And then you know that's not the thing to do. And I know they knew because they told everyone when their last episode premiered, they hid their phones and they had a party at one of their houses and they stayed off the internet because they knew people were going to be mad about it. And they did it anyway. And I hate that. I hate that they did it. I don't care about Game of Thrones. 
I think that's so messed up to the Game of Thrones fans that you would do that to them and you knew that's something they didn't want to do just so you can be like, well, that's the story. That's how I thought it should end. I'm like, we can watch the news. If we want realistic situations that don't go the right way, the news is a giant industry that has makes a ton of money. People like the, move, the news, documentaries, uh, history buffs. You even go out and buy books or whatever that tell the true stories. We have that. But like when you go watch a movie, like I love The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. After the movie, I did look up to see how true it was. I saw some of the true things that really happened. I don't give a shit. I know both stories. <laughs> I watch I watch Pursuit of Happiness and it inspires me every time. And that's what art should do. It should be something useful you can use. I never watch Game of Thrones and I'll never watch it again. There's just no point in it. I don't know anyone that celebrates it. I never hear someone saying to watch a Game of Thrones reruns. It just wastes seven years, probably like I don't know, maybe $400 million worth of money where you, you did all that stuff, all those humans put all that time into it, just become something that no one wants to really talk about anymore and it's just there. Just so like you can say, ah, a story you wanted to tell. Like, that's it's ridiculous and it wasn't even your thing. So I think those things are horrible, man. And I loved, like I said, Tom Cruise, I felt like he was taking everybody to school. I feel like there was Tom Cruise masterclass. Let me show you guys how to make a movie. He's showing you how to be an actor, how to support the co- the other actors, everyone else. And like you said, when you gave them a chance, they all stepped it up. Um, great editing, good music, not enough, not too much nostalgia. And, and then even that whole last sequence was a whole other movie. They weren't even in Jets anymore. They're running around the woods. Other situations were going on. It was that thing. I was like, this is like a whole other movie. So again, I felt like this. they were taking it to like end where they were like just giving it to you over and over again, doing as much as they could. And at the end of it, you know, all the characters had their moment. When Hangman had his redeeming moment for being an asshole the whole film, I'm like, that's classic. He played a little, like, sub-villain, but had his chance to show that he's not really that bad of a guy. It was, uh, again, I thought it was just a perfect symphony of what a film could be. Yeah, I loved it. I I don't have any complaints about it. Normally, I'm, like, always kind of picking stuff apart or feeling like I got to, you know, find the, the faults and things. But, no, I love this movie. I can see myself, honestly, like, this movie coming out on like TV or whatever and me constantly watching it a few more times because I legit enjoyed it a lot. Oh, I agree, man. That's going to be one I hook up my, uh, I don't ever hook up to my sub surround stand a lot because I don't want to wake the neighbors. But when that comes out, I'm hooking up my subwoofer, but we're getting a version or whatever I can and I'm blasting that and watching it again. And it's going to be that thing where you, you, know, you had a hard day or maybe you're stuck in the mud or maybe you want something you're going to put on a movie and it's going to matter. It's going to give you that energy. It's going to do something for you. Like how, you know, people talk about paintings when they go to a museum and look at a painting and it means something to them. I'm like, yeah, that's a really good film. And I was really surprised. I did not, I was not interested in going to see the film so much um, when it first came out. Like I, I had no like big reason to go see Top Gun. I rolled my eyes when I heard it was coming out. I rolled yeah. my eyes. <laughs> yeah. Me too. It sounds like, because we become jaded. The audience becomes jaded because you're so used to it. You're so used to another quick cash grab. Again, just people just saying, ah, it's the theaters. You don't got nothing else to do. Come here. There was a great conversation that leaked online. It was true when I read it, where somebody was explaining, they were complaining that um, they're one of the writers working on, I think, like, and he said he went to a meeting to tell things that were wrong with the script. And the producers literally said to them, well, this is going to make a billion dollars anyway. So, like, what, why are you And he's no, in the conversation. They went back to eating their meal and other stuff. So they took that, that, that dinner that was supposed to be about the movie and the screenplay, 
and they just blew by his his concerns he had for it. And the movie came out. I remember which Batman it was. Again, I don't even know with Dawn of Justice or whatever. They kind of blend together in my head. Um, it's a shame that that happened. But when I read that article, you know, sometimes you think things are rumors, but the way that story was written, I'm like, that's 100 percent true. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. It, did, it did make a billion. All those films, all the Batman films, make a billion dollars no matter what. And um, and that's a shame. Shame on them. And you know, I can't even say shame on the on, on the movie go audience because Batman's such a loving, beloved character. Like sometimes when they do those things, you should boycott them. But like people just want to go to the theaters. They don't want to have another. They just want to go see Batman. So it's a shame that they're kind of milking them like that. But hopefully, more other original stories come up that you know. Like, hey, look, you don't have to always go to that trusted brand actor, Tom Cruise. Like now, now I'm going to go watch all the Mission Impossible's. And the next one comes out, I'll be buying my ticket and try and be there opening weekend or as soon as I can to see it. Because I'm like, yeah, I don't care whatever happens about the guy, that he is 100% necessary. Every film you make isn't perfect, but that that was amazing. And he deserves, I think, our support and our attention. And hopefully there's, you know, Miles Teller or any other younger actors who are out there watching, they step it up how to also keep that legacy alive. I agree. I, I couldn't have said it better. I agree. Um, I, I don't I just I enjoy the movie like I don't really have anything else like I, I feel like it was it was great like I enjoyed it no man I agree to you too man that's pretty much it I think we are, we're over an hour here definitely I appreciate anybody who sat and listened to the, the podcast definitely go check out the if you're into games I did notice last night Ace Combat which has not been out in a while in like 10 years but they're known for making arcade style simulation kind of it's kind of simulation more arcadey um, you know, five, it's a lower budget game because not everyone buys that game. But uh, at a Top Gun, you know, deluxe pack. So for like sixty bucks, you get the game. But if you wanted the DLC, it's like seventy bucks for like the Top no, Gun no. pack. And if for a hundred dollars, no, huh? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Now, so for the hundred dollars, they had like the Top Gun Ultimate Edition. I looked at the planes from the movie. And a few like call signs, and then like some skins for the planes or whatever. I don't know if I get it. But definitely, I never would have got it before. I'd probably skip past it. But this movie does have me thinking maybe that would be fun to sit down and, and you know, play an airplane game or whatever. I don't know. Um, and that's what a good movie should do. I remember when I first saw Fast and Furious, someone who left the theater felt like we needed to go start drifting and, like, driving around like street racers. Um, before that, no one cared about – no one I knew cared about driving fast or, or you know, a minute mile or anything like that. When I saw Fast and Furious 1 – that took you into that world, and they did a great job of, of you know showing you everything. That also had a good story too. So yeah, I feel like Fast and Furious. I feel like Fast and Furious would be in the same sacred land if they didn't allow it to get into like ridiculousness. Like I feel like they allowed it. They kept chasing the money, and they kept allowing it to get bigger and crazier and crazier. But I feel like people hold Top Gun as a sacred land that like if they just kept it where it was at and kept it going to like in a. Like maybe after the fifth one, like Brazil, even that was kind of ridiculous. But I feel like after that point, it just became like, all right, no holds barred. We're gonna go full on, like you know, crazy with it. Um, yeah, it became a movie, and and those movies again, they they make a billion dollars and they're fun for people and stuff. I just think that's a that's one that would do well for a spinoff. Like make a spinoff, the streets, make it for a lower budget, maybe put it on a streaming platform and have a real good story that showcases some actors. And like yeah. then you can do both. When I saw Hobbs and Shaw, I thought that was a missed opportunity. Where like Hobbs and Shaw just tries to be another superhero film. Yeah, I was like, horrible. Um, I turned it off. 
Yeah, like like I, I wanted to like it. I like all the actors, and I, I wanted to be something just that was big. But I felt like it just was humanity. And I was like, yeah, I think this is again. It just feels like just copying and pasting these things at this point. I don't feel like this is the right move. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe that's something that they can hopefully learn from these things. I mean, producers make these films. A lot of times, producers make a lot of money, and they don't really care. They don't listen. But hopefully, for young creators, people who actually have the ability to go out and make something, who have any kind of say, that they go out and they try to do some new things. And you know, stop complaining too. I, I hate actors complaining. I hate people saying like other. I don't want to hear the excuse. For somebody who doesn't want to do it, go for another company. Figure out how to do it. They wanted to get that movie made. They had to go outside the studio system. They got it made. Work had to come back after that. He got to go to Marvel movies, right? Mm-hmm. Swinging his career, um, and they figured it out. And so you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Stop complaining about stuff. Go out there. <laughs> You know, put put your all into everything. I think those movies are great messages for kids to be like, yeah, you know. And I think it's cool, like you mentioned, like yeah, then maybe maybe people want to like Air Force again, right, and go back into that, try try that out. Yeah, I agree, and it, I don't know, like it's, I, I definitely agree, I definitely agree. And well, well, we can wrap it up there. I mean, thank you so much for taking the time to do the podcast. I was super excited about doing this episode. Been waiting ever since I saw the film. Um, yeah, man. So, I mean, I, that's everything I got from me. Is there anything else you want to say before we ended it? That's it. I'll, uh, I definitely feel like this was a good opportunity to discuss it. This was a good podcast, and hopefully people enjoy it, because I enjoy recording it. so much. I enjoy it. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. If you're out there listening, thank you guys so much for tuning into the podcast this week. I am moving this episode to be out when moving, so hopefully my next episode, I will be in my new location, in my little studio that I'm going to have now. And um, I don't know if things will be different just yet, but I'm going to special to the following episode also. But, yeah, thank you guys so much. Again, thank you so much, Anthony Willard, for showing up. And I'll wrap it up there. This is Semi Rye. Peace. I'm dropping the call, all right? See you. See you, man. Peace.